This is Bulls Beat on USF Bulls Unlimited. Each weekday morning, Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. And we got a packed show for you, as is usually the case on a Monday. We've got basketball highlights of another victory for the women's team, a very impressive road swing trip. They beat Memphis on Saturday afternoon. And wow, a comeback for the ages falls just short for the men on Sunday, fueled by one of those streaks by Tyler Harris in the second half. But SMU holds off the Bulls by two points. We will also tell you what went on with track and field this weekend in Louisville, as well as with men's tennis in Gainesville and set you up a little bit for this week. But we definitely want to start off by passing along a couple football notes. One, congratulations to Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Austin Ryder, both members of the Kansas City Chiefs, headed to the Super Bowl. What a game that was last night with Kansas City defeating Mitch Wilcox, by the way, and Cincinnati. So my allegiances were right down the middle. was definitely rooting for either side there and just a good game, which we got. But Quez had some major catches, including the beautiful touchdown catch that put the Chiefs ahead 20-13. to Of course, it would be tied back up, and then at the very end, a field goal for Kansas City to win it. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, the former Bull, all he did was end up being the leading receiver in the game. How about that? Six catches, 116 yards, and definitely deserving a trip to Arizona in a couple of weeks where it'll be the Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, on to tonight. We'll remind you a couple more times, obviously, and on Twitter, but tonight is your chance to meet Coach Alex Golish in person it's going to be a live football radio show at the World of Beer on Fowler Avenue, 6 to 7 o'clock, Jim Lauk hosting. It'll be the coach for three segments, and Gary Bohannon will join Jim for the fourth segment. So get there early, get a good seat. I actually won't be there. We'll be listening as we're setting up to MC an event back on the campus. Actually, it's an NIL-based event with pretty much every student athlete there. So have a neat little recap of that for you. And of course, on tomorrow's show, we'll recap the football radio show with some sound bites. If you get there live or if you can't hear it live, of course, we'll have it live on USF Bulls Unlimited beginning at six o'clock. We will replay it plenty for you throughout the course of the week. Had some good basketball for you live and on replay this weekend. Let's start off with the victory that has the women and of course, coupled with their earlier in the week victory, The women are in complete control of the American Athletic Conference. They haven't technically clinched anything because there's still seven games left, but yeah, it's pretty much there because the Bulls were able to, again, on the road, beat the second-place team in the actual standings in the conference and the second-place team in the computer rankings in the conference. I'd say that's pretty much getting it done. And now three games in a row after starting off their first six in conference play with tight first halves, eventually turning it on in the third quarter. The Bulls have not waited around, and you've got to appreciate that. Now, in Tulsa and Memphis, the games were right in that three, four-point range midway through the second quarter. In Tulsa, it was the Bulls ending with a 14-2 run to go up 10 at the half. Well, they would have a 10-point lead at the half here, but let's get to the first quarter first because, again, the starts have been pretty important, something the Bulls definitely needed to work on. Chinecki tries to shake Jefferson, and that's a great move. She scores. That's what you got to do against Jefferson. You've got to give her a little bit of fake action. High shot off the glass, no good. And now Brito breaks out four on two. She's got Dulcie to her right. Nice lofted pass, good catch, power dribble, and lays it in. Boy, the Bulls really broke up the court. 
Some good traveling donors as well. Jefferson almost traveled there, misses the shot. Should have been another offensive rebound, frankly, for Memphis, but the Bulls pull it, looking to add to their 4-2 lead. Brito hesitation. Oh, there's Puises trailing. Here comes the three. Good. Sammy Puises got in a nice rhythm in practice in this gym yesterday, and she knocks it down for a 7-2 lead. Carla Brito too much on it, but it goes across the rim, and Dulce with the uncontested rebound. And I think for the second straight game, Brito missed a shot on purpose because Dulce was unmarked. I'm telling you. There's a steal by Chinecki at midcourt. Had to run the tight wire act to stay in bounds. He does. And the Bulls have a 12-7 lead. The turnover committed by the Tigers. Bulls have not turned it over in this quarter. Oh, that's a great move by Dulce. And Danny Gonzalez with the cut. She finds her. And the interior passing. Boy, add that to the toolbox that Pankamengiadu possesses. That's an easy hoop for Danny. Get it over to Griggs. Heat check. You know that's going up. And it's in. Maddie Griggs has been lighting it up a late. That 0 for 8 against the Bulls in Tampa, you can forget about. Elena Chinecki with a quick answer on the other side. So Memphis cut it to four, and Chinecki scored less than 10 seconds later. And they leave Wilson unmarked for an open three. She doesn't take it. Hands it off to Puisis in the lane. Oh, the shooters roll. Funny how that works out for Sammy. So a couple things. If you heard a voice in the background, it was the guy that I put out on Twitter, not just a guy, and learned a little bit more about him. They call him Doc Seth Goldberg. He lives in St. Louis, and doesn't like to fly, so anytime the Bulls are anywhere around him, he's going to be there. So you had the running commentary. Actually, I had to turn that microphone down a little bit, but it was awesome to hear the Bulls support there. And there were a lot of Memphis fans there. I think partially they wanted to see, you know, one of the best teams in the country, but also if their team can hang, and they certainly could hang. You heard Madison Griggs hit a three. I included that because she went 0 for 8 on threes as the Bulls won the previous meeting January 11th in Tampa, 58-45. Well, she is Memphis's all-time leading three-point shooter, so that was going to change, and it did. And you knew that Memphis would still be in better shape with the home crowd. In fact, it was just a four-point game with two and a half minutes left to go in the first half. But here's where things swung really permanently in the Bulls' favor. Two and a half minutes to go, Puises. That looks good from here. Boom. Three-point shot, three for three, right in my line of sight. She faked the pass and pulled up for a sweet J, 28-21. At the end of the first half, close game at Tulsa. Puises hadn't made a three. She makes a couple, and all of a sudden, it's a quick 8-0 run, 14-2, and it's a 10-point halftime lead. Love Bulls would love something similar today. Oh, Puy, there you go. Maddie Griggs can't get out on her, and Sammy Puises has back-to-back -back threes, and indeed, it is a 10-point lead. Now, Wilson wants to drive in. Out to Danny. You know she can shoot the three. Boom! Danny Gonzalez knocks it down, and the Bulls all of a sudden have three makes from distance in this quarter. 34-21, a 9-0 run in about 100 seconds, all on threes. Kept making the comparisons because in Tulsa, the Bulls had no three-point makes until Sammy hit a couple. In Memphis, they only had one. The Tigers are really aggressive on the perimeter guarding. They only allow four and a half three-pointers per game. Since their conference opener lost to Temple in their next six games, they hadn't allowed the team to get to 60 points. So it was a pretty noteworthy accomplishment. And that last little three by Danny Gonzalez, they left her wide open. So when other teams, you know, Sammy Puises hits a couple, they are practically double teaming her. It's important to have your power four be able to pop out and make a three. And that is the case for the Bulls, enough to keep the defense honest anyway. We're still see Fankamengiadu going up against her former team, the Memphis Tigers. Very solid first half. The Bulls could have even salted it away sooner. They had a 13-point lead, turned it over with a chance to hold for the last shot, and then Memphis gets a three-point play. But what was noteworthy about that is it was their first trip to the free throw line the entire game. 
They are seventh in the country in free throw attempts. And if you listen to the replay, you'll hear their head coach was trying to get that changed. And boy, did she ever in the third quarter. The Bulls had the 34-24 to halftime lead. And again, Memphis won free throw attempt. In the third quarter alone, the Tigers got to the line, well, five times one on the three-point play and went eight for nine. In the third quarter, they only made four from the floor. Now, what was good about it for the Bulls, it looked like they were going to have a similar win as they had a few nights ago. In other words, pretty comfortable. Anytime Memphis got that momentum from getting to the line and making all their free throws, the Bulls had an answer. It was really good to see, and it was Elena Chinecki doing the damage in the third quarter with seven points. So heading into the fourth, the Bulls were able to actually extend their lead by one. Apuisa's three made it 57 to 43. The margin was still at 14 with about seven and a half minutes to go. Worth noting, and this has happened on many an occasion in tighter games, no substitutions in the fourth quarter for the Bulls. Gonzalez came in for Brito and stayed in, and there were no changes. And the Bulls starters, Dulce Fancomangiato going 40 full minutes of her second game in a row. Turns out she had enough in the tank also. And this is important when you get off to a good start. You don't have to use any timeouts. But the Bulls had all their timeouts there at the end. It was still a 10-point lead with three minutes to go. But as you'll hear, it got dicey for a moment before Dulce had the turned out to be final answer. But Griggs gets the ball three. No good. But Thomas gets the rebound. It was such a bad shot that it was a long rebound. 140 to go. Griggs, long three again, looks better. All bank it in. Are you kidding me? It is a five-point game, and they are saying, we'll take the bank shot on a Saturday, and the Bulls will take a timeout. Lucky shot there, but the crowd doesn't care. It's Bulls 63, Tigers 58. Wilson not left open this time. Wants to move on shoots. Does she move to the basket? Oh, a bounce pass to Dulcie. Power dribble and off the glass and in. That's a big shot by Dulcie Fankamangiato and a nice find by Ariel Wilson, who's got seven assists. Bulls up seven with 105 to go. You know, Dulcie just had an average game, honestly. Oh, yeah, her averages are around 17 points and 13 rebounds a game, which is exactly what she scored. The Bulls got a big offensive rebound. Memphis had 16 on the day, but the Bulls got their 11th on a missed shot. Memphis would get a quick two on the other end, cut it to five, and instead of fouling, chose to defend. And it was the right strategy when the Bulls missed, but again, got the rebound. And even though Chinecki split her free throws in two ensuing trips to the line, Memphis could not can another shot in there until the very end, and it was 67-62, the final score. Elena Chinecki, 23 points. She's now averaging 17.6. She also grabbed another seven rebounds. Fanka Mangiadu with her 17-13, and 13, now averaging exactly 16.7 points and 12.5 boards, and Puisis with her 14 is averaging a little bit less than 16 contest the Bulls win their 10th game in a row they are 20 and 4 on the season and I know I said this last week but almost certain to be in the AP top 25 of course the coaches put them in at 25 but if you look what happened at the bottom of the rankings last week so many teams lost even just ahead of the Bulls in the receiving votes category Tennessee lost so I would anticipate on tomorrow's show we'll be talking about where they're ranked not if they're ranked in the AP poll we'll also give you a preview of course of their game against East Carolina as we'll be back on the air with women's basketball at the Yingling Center Tuesday night. 9-0 in the conference. Everybody else has at least three losses, including the next two Bulls opponents. So I keep saying they've practically locked it up. They actually might lock it up if they win their next two games. As we continue on this Monday Bulls beat, we'll let you know what happened in Dallas with the men. 
fell victim to a hot shooting SMU team in the first half, and then the Bulls got hot in the second half, and it was crazy. The dramatic comeback, as called by Jim Lighthall and Joey Johnston, some stuff from Brian Gregory postgame, along with recaps of the weekend, good ones for track and field and men's tennis as we continue. Back to the beat. Bulls beat continues with Derek Sharp. Men's tennis went one and one over the weekend. We'll give you those details here in a little bit. I said one and one would make it a good weekend. Well, uh, there was some facts to back that up in track and field. Some top 10 school performances and some victories in a big event in Louisville. We'll get there in a little bit. Got to hear some of these second half highlights. We'll skip right past the first half, which unless you're an SMU fan, you're not going to want to hear because the Mustangs couldn't miss. The Bulls went up against an SMU team that entered this game with a 7-14 and record, and frankly, the Bulls didn't defend very well, and their head coach Brian Gregory said as much there in the first half. SMU was 6-13 of 13 on threes, 17-30 of 30 overall, which if you need to know is 56.7%. Bulls out-rebounded them by 6, actually performed okay on the offensive end, but obviously not defensive. It was 45-33. And as we pick up the early stages of the second half, three makes to start it off for SMU. We said they were 56.7% in the first half. This make you're going to hear at the beginning got them right to 60% for the game. But then the Bulls started heating up to have a chance. ODG comes over to screen. Now he rolls to the basket, fires into the corner. Jump shot by SMU is good. That's a three by Jalen Smith. And this has ballooned into 19 in a hurry. Bulls have not scored in the second half. Here's Tyler Harris, long distance three. He got it to go. That's from the U and SMU. That's a long distance three. Back to 16, and that, that's certainly a big part of the hope for USF is for Tyler Harris to get hot. Harris pushes off, steps back, launches a three. Got another one. Tyler Harris was already looking at the bench for their reaction while the ball was in the air, Joey. You know, a confident shooter can get you back in, and it looks like Tyler Harris in the last few possessions is slowly regaining that confidence. Smith kicks it in the corner and runs over a man, and there was Jameer Chaplin who drew the charge. 52-39, here's Ryan Conwell, asked for a screen from Chiwa up high, bounce pass to Harris, he's wide open, he sets his feet, he fires again, that one's too strong, Chiwa tips it out, Harris ends up with it, and he'll back it out near midcourt. Nice work by Russ, between the legs twice, step back, Tyler fires a three, got another one! Tyler <laughs> Harris is heating up like a Texas afternoon! 10 points now, 52-42. Like I said, they had a chance thanks to that. Tyler Harris, just ungodly long range with some of those shots, would be held to two points in the first half on one of five shooting and would end up with 23 points. That's right, five threes in the second half, an astonishing performance. However, SMU was essentially able to keep pace throughout the course of it. It was a 10-point game there briefly. The Mustangs would actually score the next five, and the margin stayed in double figures. Anytime the Bulls would get it below at nine, SMU would answer immediately until about eight minutes to go when the Bulls pulled off a couple of back-to-back -back shots by Keyshawn Bryant and Tyler Harris. It was 70-64 to with eight minutes left, but again, SMU two free throws on the other end and got it right back up to 10. Bulls would get it to five, only to have SMU apparently put it away. And I say apparently because it was 80-71 to 71 as we near the two-minute mark. Keyshawn Bryant hit a couple of free throws. If you'll recall, and I'm sure you do if you're a Bulls fan, LaQuincy Rideau hit that amazing shot to beat SMU to end the 
season because of COVID. That would be the end of things as far as games went. But you may recall that SMU fiddled around a little bit to give the Bulls a chance. Well, this was unfolding in an eerily similar fashion. And here's Phelps out near midcourt. Sorrell Smith guarding. Phelps, he's going to shoot a jump shot from 15 feet that misses. Corey Walker gets the rebound. There was still no, 20 no one, on the No shot one block. can explain that. Yeah, no so, one. Sorrell Smith elevates, fires a three. Got it! With 104 to go in this game. And suddenly it's a four-point game. Well, you know, what, what's more unlikely, Smith with a contested three on the right wing or Phelps taking a shot with like 18 on the shot clock at the other end? No other way to say it. Dumb decision on SMU to take that shot. Another thing that needed to happen to give the Bulls a chance to get back in it. An ill-advised shot and a made three on the other end and doesn't resemble the game from 2020 at the Engling Center, but we're seeing a couple of questionable decisions by SMU that's opening the door ever so slightly for the Bulls. You don't really want to foul here in this situation. Chiwa on him. Guy's cutting to the basket. He throws a cross-court pass. Phelps goes high to get it. Ten on the shot clock. He's in the middle of the floor. Double team comes. He picks up that dribble. His pass to Williamson. Now he throws a floater. That's off the rim and a fight for the rebound. Corey Walker had it. Mm. Russell Chiwa saves it in. They throw a pass, and the Bulls take it away. With 30 seconds to go, here's Corey Walker. He's going to the basket, and he dunks it with two hands. Timeout USF with 26.9 left. It's a two-point game, and SMU pulls another boneheaded play. Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. SMU has, on three occasions, done exactly the wrong thing that has allowed the Bulls to cut this to two points, and it's 26.9 seconds to go. Even after all that, it looked like SMU had, well, not ended the game, but calm things down on its end by making two free throws. Then the Bulls got a little more help, believe it or not. And I know there have definitely been some games where the Bulls have not helped themselves at the free throw line most recently last week against Temple. But folks, if you're going to go on Twitter and you're not going to watch a game and you're going to say, I see the bad free throw shooting cost the Bulls again in a close loss, you didn't actually watch the game because the Bulls in the second half were 7 for 8 on free throws and shot a much better percentage overall than SMU. Witness the audio evidence of SMU clanking some free throws to give the Bulls a chance as the end of the game unfolded, like this on USF Bulls Unlimited. SMU looking to deny Tyler Harris on the inbounds. They get it into him. Tyler in the backcourt. Here he comes with 24 seconds to go. Bulls are down four. Got to move quickly. Still need two possessions. Tyler drifting right. Fires left side to Sorrell Smith. Tried to catch it with one hand. Dropped it out of bounds. Wasn't a great pass, but you got to catch the ball with two hands. Now the Bulls are really up against it with 15.3 seconds left. They got a foul immediately. Here's where SMU can be clutch and win it. That's the ninth foul on the Bulls. So again, a one and one. ODG taking his time. He lets it fly, and it's off the rim. Didn't go. Corey Walker gets the rebound. Lead pass to Sorrell Smith. Here's Sorrell on the left wing to Walker. Wide open for three. Let's it fly. Yes! Corey Walker with 5.8 seconds left. It's a one-point game. Jalen Smith to throw it in. Boy, my kingdom for a five-second call right here. Smith looking, looking. They're running people all over the place, denying, denying, and then they burn a timeout. Hey, that was, I had that at 4.5 seconds when he, when he did the timeout. The USF bench wants a five-second call really bad, and they just can't get it from the yep. official Brian Dorsey. They hand it to Smith. 5.5 left in the two-point game. They throw it to Phelps, catches it at midcourt, and Sorrell Smith grabs him right away. This is the best case scenario for the Bulls at the free throw line but it's also going to be two shots for Phelps their leading score this season 
4.6 remaining, two-point game. Phelps at the line. Let's fly with the first one. Around the rim and off. Wow. There the door is open. Wow. That's all you needed. Phelps readies himself up two, lets it fly. That one's going to miss two. Rebound, Keyshawn Time Bryant. Out. Timeout, USF. Holy Toledo. How about that? Let me tell you this about free throws. The first one was a good look by Phelps. He just missed it. The second one? The second one was not. No. Nope. That was a lot of pressure I on that I could feel one. the sweat in his hands yeah. on the last one. That ball didn't have a chance to get there. He short-armed it. Nobody guarding the inbounder. Hines throws the ball to midcourt. Caught by Walker. He's got a man wide oh. open. The pass is tipped. And Sorrell Smith gets fouled. Walker fires. It's going to hit the backboard, and that's it. He misses, and the Bulls fall. Naturally, if you heard all that, it would have been asking a little bit much to pull off the victory, but the Bulls actually almost did. Harris ended up, as I said, with 23 points, 21 in the second half. Bulls outboarded SMU 40-28. to 28. Mustangs ended up going 14 for 23 on free throws at 61%. The Bulls were 11 for 16. That's nearly 70%. And, yes, I actually did see some folks on Twitter talking about the free throw shooting who naturally were just looking at, I don't know, just the final score and didn't dig into it. Russ Chiwa had 10 points and 10 rebounds, and Sorrell Smith had a big game with 12 points. Corey Walker, 9 points and 9 rebounds. And here's Brian Gregory after a loss that almost was a wild victory. The issue right now for us is uh, it's not about our ability to score points or shoot the ball or offensive rebound the ball. Nine turnovers in the first half was too many, but only five in the second half. You know, we're just not defending well enough to win games right now. We're just not defending well enough. Uh, to win games, um, and it's it's tantalizing because the the games are right there, right there. But overall, they shoot 56 percent in the first half, 46 from the three. Second half, little better job defensively. That's why we were able to get in it. But it's still 44 and 40, and they get to the free throw line 14 times in the second half. Now we fouled a couple times at the end, you know, intentionally. So, you know, that number is skewed a little bit. You know, we had a couple empty possessions there in the last four minutes. On offense, uh, which I think we wish we could have had back. But again, uh, for us on the road to score 80 points, got to put yourself in a position where you're coming home with the win. And, and we're just right now not physical enough on the defensive end, not being in the, in the right position at time, and we're struggling guarding the basketball. So it's just something that we need to continue to improve in and emphasize. Always appreciate the coach sitting down with Jim and Joey after win or lose, and this was, you know, on a road game when you're thinking about getting on the plane out of town, a 12-minute interview, and you want to hear the whole thing, we'll put it up on the Unlimited Unloaded page. Bulls drop to 9-13 and overall, 2-7 and in the conference. They host East Carolina on Wednesday, and they've already beaten the Pirates, and I'm telling you, that, yeah, the Bulls are not going to get a first-round conference tournament by unless they you know, win out. They're not going to finish in the top five, but they played all the best teams in the conference already, and yes, just the one win against UCF, but going to Houston and going to Memphis and leading in the second half, deep in the second half against Memphis. And if you're going, well, they didn't finish the job, okay? Absolutely, you'd be right in saying that, but also don't say that the Bulls aren't any good. And by the way, they play Memphis at home next Wednesday. I'll tell you who's good. The track and field team with Eric Jenkins now settling in and continuing to add transfers. And they took part in the second meet of the indoor season at the University of Louisville going up against a lot of quality programs, plenty from the Big Ten, Michigan, Purdue, Michigan State, also Notre Dame was there, Virginia Tech, Pittsburgh, so it was ACC and Big Ten heavy, and the Bulls were at the top of the list in three different events, and 
ended up posting top 10 finishes in plenty of events as far as school records go. We're getting used to Romain Beckford winning the high jump, but we don't want to take it for granted. He won another victory turned in by Kobe Babin in the pole vault. And how about the women's 4x400 relay team? Zariah Allers, LaBird, and Shania Benjamin, who've been with the Bulls, were on the unit. Janaya Burton, who is ironically a transfer from the University of Louisville. And rounding out the unit was Kayla Hug, who is a transfer from Nebraska, who earlier got into the top 10 with her performance in the 400-meter race part of the winning 4x4 relay team. Though he was sixth in the event, and it shows you how strong this event was, Zaquan Lincoln's time in the 200 meters is second fastest in Bulls history, and he is a transfer from Indiana Tech. So plenty of new names along with the returning strong ones for the Bulls. And if you want full results, hit up GoUSFBulls.com. And I think I want to hit up a couple of track and field practices soon. We're actually at home for the next couple weeks for the most part, Five days on the road kind of prevented any home front stuff, but definitely want to talk to some of the newcomers on track and field. And speaking of interviews for Bulls Beat, we'll resume with softball and baseball tomorrow. Better go softball heavy since they are playing in a week and a half. That's right. The softball season starts next weekend. We will pick things up with spring play-by-play very, very soon. Part of the spring schedule, of course, is tennis. And we said if the Bulls could split their matches last weekend in Gainesville, it would be a good weekend. It's exactly what they did. They fell to the host Gators at the ITA kickoff event. 4-1 to was the final score, and frankly, the Gators got four relatively easy victories, taking the doubles point and then winning in straight sets, most of them pretty decisive, at single spots 4, 5, and 6. Still got to mention, though, the Bulls' one doubles victory came at the two spot by Bruno Oliveira and Thomas Pavlikovic-Smith over the 10th-ranked doubles team. But the Bulls, because of that, were going to have to win four singles matches, and again, they were on the wrong end on three of them pretty quickly. They did get a win by Alvin Todorica over a man ranked higher than him, so quality straight set victory there. And in the two unfinished matches, the Bulls, Eric Velius, the Georgia transfer, won his first set but was down 3-1 in the third. And Davide Totora, who has become the Bulls' number one player, the Mississippi State transfer, ranked 69th in the country, got beat 6-love in his first set, but was in a tiebreaker in the second, and it was 8-8. Eight to eight. But because, again, once the overall match is clinched, they had to stop playing in the middle of that tiebreaker. I would have finished that one up, but them's the rules. Now, Totora is from Mississippi State, almost got a chance to play his former team, but SMU barely lost to Mississippi State on Friday. It meant the Bulls went up against SMU on Saturday, and... The Bulls handed SMU another 4-3 loss, and this was wild. SMU came to town 5-1, again, barely lost to Mississippi State, which was undefeated before losing to the Gators on Saturday, and the Bulls lost the doubles point, and Tudorica, who got their only win against Florida, lost in straight sets to guess who? Antonio Muniz Hidalgo, former Bull. So they were down 2-0, but Tortora was finishing up his win at number one singles in straight sets, and Gravelius came through winning the second set 7-5, so we were all even. It was going to come down to who could finish off two of the three remaining singles matches, all of which were in third sets. Bulls took the lead when Bruno Oliveira wins a tiebreaker at four singles. SMU answered back at the sixth spot. It came down to a freshman, Elijah Cham, on the number five court. He lost his first set in a tiebreaker, but then wins it 6-3-6-2. That's clutch stuff right there. Congratulations to the men's tennis team. Four and four, all against tough opponents. And their next five matches are all on the road. 
three of them against teams that were in this same ITA event, meaning they're good. And they, by the way, all three teams happen to go one-on-one like the Bulls. An incredible schedule Ashley Fisher's team has put together. We'll continue to talk all the sports here and remind you that tonight, live at 6 o'clock, the football radio show with Alex Golish and Gary Bohannon can be heard on USF Bulls Unlimited. Better yet, come to World of Beer Fowler Avenue and be a part of the fun if you can. We'll have clips of it tomorrow on our Tuesday Bulls Beat. That's the Monday show, though. Thanks for listening. I'm Derek Sharp.